0: You are now listening to a Fit Plus Love production.
1: I mean, it was a slow grind for a a long time. I've been making videos since about like 2015 or 2016. I mean, I wasn't as serious and as into it as I am now, but like that's about when I started making videos for social media. Um, So I guess that's been almost like eight years now. Um, So it's it's a lot. I've made several thousand videos over the course of my time most of them haven't been watched by hardly anyone and uh, that's how they deserve to be viewed is not a lot i mean a lot of bad videos but i feel like that's the way to make good videos is to make a lot of bad ones first or don't worry if they're bad first um but yeah it took a long time and, and you know for me it's like there's a lot of really creative people out of, that are out there there are a lot of really good storytellers that are out there but it to succeed on youtube requires like You know, unless you're lucky, then you can go viral a couple of times. But like for someone like me um, and the kind of content that I want to make, it really requires a lot of repetition and like consistently showing up so that when people know that like, oh, this is a guy that's not just gonna make three videos because he's getting ready for a big race and then he'll disappear. This is a person that's gonna be around and I can like invest in in like following this person.
0: That was Michael Ko, AKA Kofuzi. This is Marnie Salam. Marnie on the Move will feature an eclectic mix of people I know, work with, and think are generally doing cool things. On each episode, I sync up with my guests about life, career, and training, and showcase their expertise and story. Hello, welcome, and welcome back to the Marnie on the Move podcast. I'm your host, Marnie Salop. Today on the podcast, I'm syncing up with Michael Ko, AKA Kafuzi, on YouTube and Instagram. Known for his really great and super popular running shoe reviews, running race coverage videos, and interviews on social, Kafuzi has 150,000 subscribers on YouTube and 2,700 videos, and over 53,000 followers on Instagram. He is an avid runner who simply loves running today we go behind the scenes i get the inside scoop on how he gets things done where his creativity stems from his upcoming races top shoes in his quiver and more if you like what you hear leave us a review on apple it's easy head over to wherever you get your podcasts click on the marnie on the move podcast scroll through the episodes on your apple podcast app click on the five stars and click on leave a review tell us what you love also If you're on Spotify, don't forget to leave five stars and feel free to answer the question that is prompted when you click on the interview. Last up, share what you're listening to on social and tag us. We'll tag you back. Now, on to my conversation with Kafuzi. Mike, it's so awesome to have you here on the podcast today. Thank you for coming.
1: Well, thanks thanks so much for having me and it's good to see you again.
0: Yeah. It was really great to meet you in Boston at the Boston Marathon at the Tracksmith brunch and also running with you was so much fun. I mean we were like talking the whole time and I was trying to convince you to swim.
1: <laughs> yeah, and you know what? Uh I'm just so bad at it. I don't I, I wish I liked it. I yeah. wish I were good at it. Or I don't even want to be good at it. I just wish I weren't terrible at it. Yeah. Um it's one of those things where it's like, I just wish I could figure it out, but I haven't yet. But, but I love talking about swimming.
0: Yeah, I mean, and, but you're a runner, so that was where it started, mm-hmm. right? Like, you were like, yeah. it was you were having some issues with your running, and I was like, you know, swimming is so good for you. At least, for the, <laughs> at the very least, that is the value of swimming sometimes, right? Yeah, yeah. So how did you get into running? Like, talk to me a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, for me, it was a sport that didn't have cuts. And I started in middle school. And so it's like other sports, like you had to have kind of like been on teams before. And I really wasn't on teams for anything. We didn't do a lot of, I didn't do a lot of team sports growing up. And so like, you know, in junior high, you're really like, oh, I'll try out for the basketball team. Guess what? Everyone's been playing basketball since they were six. And I just like figured it out last week. so like, that's not really going to work. They're not going to let you be on the team. But they will let you be on the track team if you have no idea what you're doing. All you have to do is just show up every day. And so I'm like, I'm good at that. <laughs> so yeah, I could, I mean, showing up, not at track. I wasn't great at track, but I'm good at showing up when asked. So uh, that's kind of how it started. And um, I kind of was, I, I did track all through high school and then a little bit into college. Um, kind of like a lot of people did, I think. And then um, I took a lo- very long break from running for a long time. In basically all of my 20s. And then I got back into it kind of like, in my thirties and then into my forties. So and, so, like-
0: and so how, like, what kind of running do you do? Are you a trail runner? Are you an ultra runner? Are you, you know, you, I know that you do marathons. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I think the, the shortest way to put it is that I'm a road marathon guy. Okay. That's what I like the most to do.
0: How many times have you done Boston?
1: That was my first time this, this last year when I met you. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, so it's like, I was supposed to do it like the pandemic year. But uh, like the first year when the pandemic hit and then um, it ended up when it came back, I didn't have a I don't know if I didn't have a time. I don't know. There was some reason why I didn't do it like that first October, like the fall one. I didn't do that one. But then I was able to get into the following the spring one.
0: And what other marathons have you done?
1: Uh, I'm chasing the six stars now. So now I have four stars. So I've done Chicago, New York, uh, Boston. And Tokyo, I okay. did it earlier this year as well. Um, and then I've done a handful of other ones that are not majors. I did grandma's. LA. Did you just do grandma's? I didn't do it this year. Okay. I did it last the year before. Okay. But I wish I were there. It's just a fun race. Um, and the the energy there is really great. Um I just didn't work out on my calendar. I got lots of nieces and nephews and stuff. And so, like, getting away in, like, that May to June window, there's, like, almost always a graduation on any given weekend. Right. So it's tough. I was lucky that I got away last weekend, last year. But this year was, nope, I had family obligations. Yeah, I I feel
0: like finding the balance between family and training can be really challenging. And, Mm -hmm. you know, you've got to, like, get ahead of it, like, with your schedule and with races and everything.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I'm not, I, I, I've never really thought of my running as like, oh, I should plan this out six months, 12 months out. But right. like, I, I mean, that's where I kind of am because things are busy, you know? So it's like, well, it doesn't feel so romantic to be like, oh, I'm going to train for this marathon. I'm just going to go for it. Mm-hmm. To be like, let's put this on the calendar 10 months out, you know? But like, yeah, if you want to do stuff, you, sometimes you got to be annoying and plan, you know?
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like you can kind of always have like a base level of training. That you can like drop in to a big event whatever your distance is like mine's a half marathon that you can always kind of like drop into with a couple weeks notice but I also feel like these days all these races get booked so far in advance and you have to kind of sign up and you know get ahead of it it's it's kind of frustrating because it's like it used to be, and I guess it's good for the sport, right? It means more people are running, but it used to be such a casual thing. You know, you could, like, show up 30 minutes before the race and just roll in, like, two days before, and now it's, like, a whole thing. Most races. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, like, even grandmas, like, I remember grandmas didn't used to, like, sell out months ahead of time. Yeah. Same thing with, like, CIM, which is another race that I feel like is, like, they're, like, sibling races in my mm-hmm. mind. Like, I don't think that that was a race that sold out, like, five months out, four months out. Um, but now it definitely is. And so I do think that, that makes it harder for, like, newer runners who mm-hmm. are trying to, like, go from, like, I run a lot to, like, I want to really be, like, kind of into the sport. You know, it's a it, I think it's a problem. I think yeah. it's, there needs to be something done about it. But maybe it just might be, like, you know, everyone's still kind of, like catching up from like the pandemic years and like Mm -hmm. getting out of financial holes from like an organizational perspective. So I'm like, look, if everyone's fully booked for the next couple of years, I'm willing to, you know, be a little bit patient with it. And hopefully some of these new runners, people that picked up running the last couple of years, hopefully they'll stick around too.
0: So you're next to, like, as part of your six, the six majors, you're next to our Berlin and London.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: How are you planning to get in? Like, are you doing time? Do you sign up? Do you do the lottery?
1: Yeah, I've done I've done lotteries for both of those races for many years now. And I just never, I never get it. I a joke that I frequently make with people, because people are, will see the videos that I make from when I do the marathon majors. And like, oh, man, how did you get into the race? Or like, what's the process like? Or how hard is it to get in? I'm like... Well, the easiest way to get in is to start a social media channel and build a following, hundred thousand YouTube subscribers. Oh, that's
0: so easy. And,
1: <laughs> and then maybe you'll get invited to go. Yeah, that has worked out easier for me to get into New York yeah. and Boston. Well, Boston, I did earn the bid, but yeah. for New York and Tokyo, that's how I got in. So I mean, like that is the easier way for me. It's so hard to get into these races.
0: All right, just dropping in here to give a shout out to our partners at AG One. I started drinking AG1 daily over a year ago. I was looking for an all-in-one nutritional supplement that was easy to add to my daily wellness routine. AG1 replaces your multivitamin, probiotic, and more in one simple, drinkable habit. It helps build your health foundation first. I drink mine while making my coffee in the morning. With just one scoop, I get the nutrients and gut health support to thrive throughout my day and cover my nutritional bases. So if you want to take ownership of your health, it starts with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Marnie on the move. That's drinkag1.com slash Marnie on the move. Now back to our conversation. It is hard to get into the races, and I do think that if you work in media, right, you're that's what you do, and we're going to talk about that, then, you know, it's like the visibility of you doing it and running with a brand is great, you know, and especially because, you know, not only are you an influencer, but you're also, like, creating amazing content. That is always a smart way. But it's, you know, everything just seems like it's, like, so easy, right? But we both know that it's not, right? I mean, to get a YouTube channel to be, you know, to have a hundred thousand subscribers, like that must have taken you years. And it's, it's not just like you show up one day and then you have all these subscribers. Like you have to do the work just like running.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was, um, a slow grind for a a long time. I've been making videos since about like 2015 or 2016. I mean, I wasn't as serious and as into it as I am now, but like that's about when I started making videos for social media. Um, so I guess that's been almost like eight years now. Um, so it's it's a lot I've made a, several thousand videos over the course of my time yeah most of them haven't been watched by hardly anyone and uh, that's how they deserve to be viewed is not a lot
0: <laughs> I yeah. made a lot of
1: bad videos but I feel like that's the way to make good videos is yeah. to make a lot of bad ones first yeah Um. or don't worry if they're bad first yeah. Um, but yeah it took a long time and you know for me it's like there's a lot of really creative people out of, that are out there. There are a lot of really good storytellers that are out mm-hmm. there, but it to succeed on YouTube requires like, you know, unless you're lucky and you can go viral a couple of times, mm-hmm. but like for someone like, like me um, and the kind of content that I want to make, it really requires a lot of repetition and like consistently showing up. Yeah. So that when people know that like, oh, this is a guy that's not just going to make three videos because he's getting ready for a big race and right. disappear. this is a person that's going to be around and I can like, invest in in like following this person
0: so what's your current subscriber number on youtube right now
1: yeah for youtube i think it's like 147 148 somewhere in there
0: for my listeners who aren't familiar with your channel like talk to me about what it's all about and how you started this channel and this is your original platform youtube correct
1: yeah yeah youtube is where i started and that's kind of my that's my primary platform uh i'd say there's right now there's kind of like two maybe three main types of content the primary thing is running shoe reviews so i'm like a shoe nerd the background for those of you guys who are watching like you know you could see that there's a bunch of shoes that i'm sitting in front of Mm -hmm. Uh, so i enjoy testing out different running shoes commenting on them you know critiquing them kind of like a food critic or a movie critic but with shoes Um, and so that's like the bulk of the channel and then other like kind of like main categories of content would be um, what I call my runner's weekend when I either go to a race or travel anywhere that's runnings involved. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll do kind of like um kind of like a travel log about that um, and uh, kind of talk about the intersection of travel and running. And then um, the third one might be like every once in a while I'll do like. Um, uh, some like training type of videos, like what I'm doing. I'm not a coach and I don't want to really be a coach, but like people are always like, well, what are you doing to stay fit for all these races or recover? You know? Right. So I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's talk about it. Here's what I'm doing. Tell me what you're doing. You know? Like, so that's kind of like the third category.
0: So what shoes did you wear for Boston?
1: Boston? I wore the Adidas, uh, Primax Strung. So it's technically an illegal shoe. Cause it's very, very tall.
0: Oh, the stack but, height uh, is over 40.
1: Yeah, it's a 50, well, oh. I think they say it's like 49.5 or 50 wow. millimeter black height shoe. And it's got a couple layers of carbon fiber in them. So it's like very fun, very springy shoe. Um, but, you know, you know, had I been eligible for prize money or for setting a world you, record, yeah. although the course isn't world record eligible, but I wouldn't have been able to because it's an illegal shoe technically.
0: Yeah, they're totally illegal <laughs> in the sport of triathlon as well like there was yeah, I, yeah. Well, that's
1: a recent development yeah though that is a triathlon. recent
0: because triathlon um, is a little bit more loosey-goosey <laughs> but yeah well I mean
1: yeah. you know I just feel like with triathlon there's a different emphasis on like hey let's try the new technology yeah in uh, a different kind of embrace of new technology so yeah. I'm like in some ways I'm kind of surprised that 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 triathlon barred it but then at least it makes it consistent for yeah. people running marathons on a professional level kind of like 40 millimeters is like a pretty much like the the cutoff
0: yeah that's
1: the the rocket x2 is 40 right the rocket x2 i don't think it's quite that tall but it's getting you know pretty much all the super shoes at this point are getting pretty close to it sometimes for a while everyone was like well we're not gonna go 39 or 39 and a half we're gonna be 32 or 36 but now everyone's pretty much like right bumping up against the limit because i think that's what the market wants
0: I think it is. I mean, it's such. I mean, you know, it's there's such a huge difference. Do you, now when I go back to my Mach Fives after mm-hmm. running in the Rocket X Twos, it's such a different experience. Like, how do you feel about that?
1: Uh, I mean, like I like the differences in experience because yeah. I think of them all as kind of like um, like either like different cars for different types types of driving or like different golf clubs in the bag, mm-hmm. um, and they're going to be used in different situations. And so like, you know it. The more runners there are and the more into running we all get, like the more we can have room in the marketplace for very specific kinds of shoes. So it's not like we all have just like one of three shoes that we can all buy and then we have to use it for all our running. Instead, we can have like a race day shoe or a workout shoe and then an easy day shoe or a recovery day shoe. And um, we can really have shoes that are finely tuned to what we're wanting on any and run
0: now I know that you work with a lot of different brands so I'm not going to ask you to give me your favorite (laughs) shoes but I would love maybe can you do top two in for different distances so like for a marathon for an ultra for a speed day maybe break it up like in line with what you were just saying because I think you know it's important to develop your quiver of shoes as a Mm -hmm. runner and so yeah
1: yeah, so for, for marathon or half marathon racing, I think that right now I'm really enjoying the Metaspeed Sky Plus. Okay. And I also really like the Saucony Endorphin Elite. Okay. It's kind of maybe a hot take. Uh, it, it seems to be pretty polarizing for some people, but I absolutely love it. Yeah. Um, that's a very fun one. Um, and then for like for daily training, I'm a big fan of the Nova Blast 3 and the New Balance Rebel 3. I think both of those are... I really like squishy shoes. And so like those are squishy without getting too kind of like gummy. So like it has a nice spring to the step, but I feel like I could take it for an easy day or a long run and it'd be fine for any of those things. And then um, let's see for like max cushion. So if you wanted it's something that you could just be in for a really long time for like a long, slow distance kind of run. Yeah. I think like the New Balance Fresh Foam More version four is really fun. I also really like the Nimbus 25. So those are nice and like chill, relaxed shoes.
0: And you're coming from the perspective of having a neutral foot like a neutral stride.
1: Yeah. 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 I can't really run in stability shoes. I've tried. Mm-hmm. Um, I keep vi- revisiting kind of the genre every once in a while when there's like, you know, marketing hype about like, you know, it's the stability shoe for even people who don't like stability, you know, those yeah. kinds of things. And I'm like, I don't know. I still feel it and I still don't like it. It makes my knees do funny things. So like, I yeah. or it hurts my arches. So like, I don't like stability shoes. And so I try not to review them. And I generally ask, for brands not to send them to me yeah because i'm like eh, it's not your thing I'm, i could run in it but like i'm probably not gonna like it and i don't like to make negative reviews yeah too much, i agree you know? it's just I, it's not fun yeah. and it feels like you're kind of like i don't know it feels like kind of click bait like you're just doing it for views you know yeah. like just, i only have so many miles that i can run in a year so i'd rather spend it on shoes that are going to be fun
0: and what run. about the vapor flies have you run in those
1: Yeah. I'm not a huge Nike guy. So, um, I don't really do a lot of Nike racing shoe testing. Um, I've run in all the, I haven't run in the new vapor fly three, but I've tested all of the, the Nike racing product and they make really good shoes. Um, no doubt about that, but, um, not something that I generally spend a ton of time focusing on my channel. I feel like you know, I have my reasons for that, but then I also feel like the rest of the internet does a really good job of covering Nike Race product too. So yeah. you know, people, people aren't missing out.
0: I think we connected over this thing. Like you're not, you like emerging kind of like edge, not mainstream culture type stuff, but like more cool hip.
1: Yeah, you know, I think that uh, like, Part of it is, like, that's my natural inclination. I've always kind of been that way. You know, I am I was definitely that dude of, like, oh, I like this band before they got big. Right. You know, kind yeah, of person. Totally. But I also think that, you know, that's kind of, like, a, a side effect, a natural, like, end product of when you review a specific thing.
0: Yeah.
1: Is that after a while, you're, like, the thing that, like, most of the people want and is suitable for most people after a while kind of gets boring Mm -hmm. for someone that's running shoes all day, every day. Yeah. And so that's part of it too, is like, I want to see what's like new and like coming up next Um, because that's really fascinating for me and it's different and it's novel. Yeah. And you know, it's, and so like the longer you do something like this, the rarer novelty seems to to become. And so you kind of like, chase it a little bit and so I know that about myself too yeah and so like I we'll try to keep that in mind in terms of what I'm really excited about and what I'm not always trying to remember that like ultimately these the shoe reviews are supposed to help other people
0: yeah and
1: they're not well so, sometimes I talk about stuff just because I like it you know but like a lot of it's going to be like how it's not that helpful if I'm getting really esoteric about running shoes so you know I have to balance and kind of like appease the shoe mega nerds which are a big part of the fan base but also like you know the people that are just like i just want to know if this is a real running shoe or if it's just a running inspired looking shoe right you know so i got to talk to both audiences
0: yeah and i think like for my listeners if you know a lot of people ask me about shoes and i think like i it's a great to have you as a resource to send people to watch your reviews because it's it's good to, to when you're exploring something new, if you want to discover a shoe, like to listen to different reviews and different people. But also, I think it's so important to try them on, to like find a store Ooh. where you can try them on and see if they work. Because just because, you know, something works for, for you or me, it doesn't mean it's going to work for someone else. And I've seen like so many people wearing the vapor flies that can barely run. And it's mm-hmm. like they're made for people who have like a super efficient stride, right? Or am I wrong? I mean, I feel yeah, like,
1: well, yeah. I think that, like, the the nice thing about the Nike product, they're easy to recommend. Yeah. And it's almost never a wrong answer. You know, oh, people it's love never that. never wrong. Yeah. And so, like, um, I think the unique thing that Nike has done, and I think they may have the competitive advantage because they had the materials available to them before anyone else. They innovated in that space. Um, is that, like, the, the product seems to work for a, a pretty large... Portion of the, like the marathon racing world yeah and so it's like it's not it's one of those things where like if i don't if you're if someone's just like what's a good racing shoot i'm like oh you told me nothing about you and you just want me to give you a yeah. name of something and that's that's a really nice basic answer to give it yeah. might not be the perfect answer for that individual person yeah but chances are it's a safe bet
0: yeah all right you've got you've got <laughs> me to come around i would recommend i like the hokas the rocket x2s but i yeah, get that I'm,
1: yeah. That's an exciting shoe from them for this year because it's it finally it's kind of like they're they're leaving their comfort zone yeah. and I feel like you know I just mentioned on the one hand I like kind of chase novelty. Yeah. I've been wanting novelty from Hoka in the racing space for a few years now and so it's like finally they're delivering. So it's it's good to see that happening.
0: Yeah. Did you ever get to try they they're not making them anymore, I don't think the supersonics. Did you get to try those? They you were know, orange. they
1: yeah, they sent me a pair. It had the giant pull tab on the back, but yes. I never, I never tried that one because I went from I think it was just like it was in between Mach four and Mach five, I yeah. think, and so for some reason it got to me really late, and I got the Mach five first, and I was like. Yeah. There's no reason for me to test this one now. Yeah, no one I don't think anyone's gonna buy it. So I was like, it's not, it's they not gonna They're not selling it
0: anymore. Thing. I had, I, I, yeah. I like it a lot, but oh, do you okay? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of, it's exactly between the Mach Four and the Mach Five. Mm-hmm. It's a good, it's a good in-between shoe. I kind of, I'm getting used to the Mach Fives, but yeah. So what's your next race? Like, what's come? What do you have coming up?
1: Uh, in a couple of weeks, I'll be doing a 10K, okay. which is rare for me. I think I haven't done a 10K in like four years. Okay. Um, and even then, that was only like my second ten k ever. So I'll be doing Peachtree Road Race in Atlanta. Okay. Down there, and it's a it's a distance I don't particularly like, in temperatures that I don't like, and it's a hilly course which I also don't like. So so it's it should be a fun day, I think. It's I only a couple I,
0: miles. No, kidding.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard it's a really great event. Yeah, um, it's one of the biggest road races in the country, and so I'm like, I'm going there to experience the weekend,
0: yeah, um,
1: and see what you know, see what the hype is all about. I, I I've done a lot of big road marathons, mm-hmm. but I also want to see kind of like other sides of the sport too, like and shorter distances.
0: Because like, mm-hmm.
1: I feel like more people do the shorter distances than do marathons, and so like, uh, you know, I want to make sure that I'm not like missing out on something, and mm-hmm. just making sure that like, all right, let's see you know, what this kind of world is like, this 10K world. And so I, I think it should be a fun time.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just did a 10K for the first time in like forever, actually, as the first time. Yeah. And I, okay. yeah. I loved it. You know, it was in Central Park. So it was super hilly mm-hmm. and yeah. it was really fun, you know, cause it was kind of like you can choose. I mean, like you, I don't do marathons, right? So, but you can always choose, like if you're racing or you're just running, you can always choose your goal. But it just felt like really easy for me to race that distance because it's not that far. So even if for me, it's not that far. And Mm -hmm. so I had a lot of fun, you know, I wore some fast shoes. I wore my hokas, and I like Mm -hmm. ran as fast as I could. And it was super fun. It was hot, you know, but all right. Well, well, that makes me feel
1: better about it. Maybe I'll feel the same way. I just feel like it's going to hurt a lot.
0: If you can do a marathon and get into (laughs) Boston, like the, I don't know. I mean, you know, somebody probably will kill me after this and saying this just because they'll be so pissed. But, like, if the 10K feels – I mean, if you're not competing to come in, you know, to podium and you're not competing, like, that, then as it's just, like, a regular runner, it just feels like a really fun distance to kind of race.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I feel about the half marathon. Yeah,
0: yeah. So,
1: like, I feel like it's another gear entirely to get to that 10K speed. Yeah. And so I just feel like it's 5K pain for twice as long. Yeah. You know, so I'm just like. It uh, is. Yeah. We'll see how, we'll see how much I like this. I don't know. I don't, I don't really touch 10K pace very often. Well, so I don't even really know how to pace myself for it.
0: What's your yeah. marathon pace? Like what's your marathon PR right now?
1: Right now I PR'd in Tokyo. I ran a 256. Okay. So that was like a 640 something, 45 per mile.
0: That's great. Yeah. Um,
1: I think it if I, I, I don't anticipate running that fast at peach tree,
0: but i could. I'm, I'm, I'm,
1: uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's a, it's going to be hotter. It's going to be hilly.
0: Yeah. And,
1: um, you know, I, since Boston, I've just been kind of doing a bunch of easy running. I've done a couple of workouts to kind of try to get ready for Peachtree, but I've been just doing a lot of just easy running. And Not I see you doing a lot of strength running.
0: training too.
1: I'm trying. I'm yeah, trying. It's hard. I've been saying for years that I'm going to do strength training it was like that New Year's resolution that yeah. you never did. It was like yeah, I say it every year, every like year. Like everyone has that favorite New Year's resolution that you yeah. love to put on the list and you know you're it's never going to do it. Yeah. That that was the one for me. But after Boston, I was like, all right, no more excuses. This it's is really, the
0: time. It's really a game changer, but it's like one of those things like you kind of have to stick to it and you have to do it more than two times a week for it to really work. I know everybody should just do what they can. But yeah, that's I haven't done any strength training since March, so (laughs) I I don't know. I'm like not. I'm awful. Like,
1: well, for me to get into it, it was like I used to do it in in, you know high school. Yeah,
0: because somebody was was telling you to do it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But um, as an adult, I was just like, you know what? I gotta treat this like just like running. Yeah. Where it's like I'm out of shape, and I don't want to do it. But I want to create the habit. So let's not focus on the lifting part. Let's focus on the habit. The getting there. Yeah. So, like, it was one of those things where, like, I can go there. And as soon as I get there, I can turn around if I feel like it. Yeah. And I never did. Cause once you're there, but getting there is the hard part, you know? And so, like, that was just, and then also just kind of figuring out how to structure the day. Yes. So I can also, you know, yeah. So, like, for me, I had to, like, I know people say run first and then lift, but I was like, nope. I have to hold it as running as ransom. I want to do the run. That's
0: exactly what I do. I swear to God, I don't let myself run.
1: Yeah, in the beginning, I was like, nope. I cannot. I'm not going to allow myself to run until I go to the gym. And so that kind of was like, you know, that was (laughs) motive. That was plenty of motivation.
0: That worked for me for a couple months, where I was not going to allow myself to sign up for any half marathons unless I was consistently showing up at the gym. So I started strength training, I think like in November and then January I did the Miami half and then okay. I maintained it through January and February, but then I dropped March, dropped it off okay. like I was done <laughs> and it's been like several months. I also dropped yoga, which was like a practice I did for years. And um, okay. it's not, you know, it's, it always comes down to like you are running uh, and I'm sure you probably run. How many days a week do you run?
1: I run every day. Okay.
0: And that's, like, you also are working, so it's kind of hard to also add, like, that other workout. And if you try to couple them together, forget it.
1: <laughs> it just takes too mo- too yeah. long to do it, like, back-to-back. Yeah, You know, like, that's the thing about, like, triathlon training for me. It's, I was yeah. just like, this is too time-consuming. I don't yeah. know how people do this.
0: Well, th- what happens is I started focusing on swimming, and swimming and strength training are at the gym. And so okay. if I go to the gym once – I'm not going back. And I don't want to strength train after I swim because I'm freezing. So it's like a whole thing. And so then I need to go to the – and everything else I do is outside, right? Like running, cycling. So it's a whole thing. But this podcast (laughs) is about you. (laughs) But it's really good for me to hear that like other people struggle with the same thing. And I'm sure a lot of my listeners do too because there are a lot of triathletes or runners. And we all know that strength training is important. It's like just – how do you get it into your schedule
1: yeah it's hard
0: yeah you know you also have fifty thousand followers on instagram what other social platforms are you on
1: Uh, just instagram
0: just instagram Mm
1: -hmm. i've tried tiktok but i just it's not i'm not i don't work over there i guess yeah Um, so it's just uh, nothing seems to land so i've given up um and i'm just gonna double down on instagram and youtube
0: okay Shout out to our sponsors at Delta G. Delta G is the pioneer of the Oxford ketone ester and revolutionary exogenous ketones company, being used by world champion Ironman, Tour de France, Formula One athletes, Olympians, recreational athletes, and longevity-seeking, wellness-savvy individuals looking to optimize athletic performance and everyday health. I have been adding Delta G exogenous ketones to my morning coffee, using it for athletic recovery after hard workouts and in training daily. Ketones are nature's super fuel. When the body is pushed to its limits, we convert stored body fat into ketones for energy that help fuel the brain and the body. Delta G delivers that exact ketone produced naturally in the body, Called DBHB. With delta G, you can achieve high levels of circulating blood ketones known as ketosis safely and immediately without having to fast to get to that level. Beyond boosting energy levels and performance, exogenous ketones improve mental clarity. Combat brain fog and metabolic health and serve as a fourth macronutrient and fuel for your brain, so you don't exclusively need to use glucose. Delta G was created through a collaboration between the University of Oxford and NIH with funding from the Department of Defense in 2003 as a way to provide efficient fuel for warfighters. Just two years ago, Delta-G became available to the public. Throughout the years, researchers have been able to utilize this technology in various studies, amounting to over 55 published Delta-G studies, with 25 more ongoing. It's time to take your health and athletic performance to the next level. Head over to Delta-G Ketones and use our code Marni20. Now, back to our conversation. I know this is a big part of your career, but what were you doing before and when did you kind of like make the transition or are you still doing what you did before?
1: No, I do. I do this full time now. Okay. Um, influencing, which is a word that I know a lot of people that are kind of like my peers and colleagues don't like that word, but I'm just going to go with it. It's a, it's a convenient, it's a convenient shorthand and it's, it explains enough. Anyone that's curious can ask a follow-up question and people who don't care they're probably gonna ultimately get to like, so are you an influencer? So I just got to the chase a little yeah. bit. Um, so I do that f- full time now, but, and that only became full time during the pandemic. I had another, I had a regular job. <laughs> this is a, a little- major
0: job, by the way, like for people who are listening that don't understand, it takes hours to create a video. Like you may watch it mm-hmm. for two minutes, but it takes <laughs> hours, days. It's like a painting, you know? It, it's It's not just like what you see.
1: Yeah. I mean, some things take longer than others, but yeah. I mean, there's it's, it's become, I've, you know, there's, it, it takes up my day. Yeah. You know, like, you know, I don't ever feel like I've had that much schedule on the calendar and then like, you know, next thing I know I'm running behind schedule and everything and I'm staying up real late. So like there's, there's work here. Um, but before I did this like all day,
0: yeah.
1: um, I was a litigation consultant. I had a consulting company. So we would help attorneys that are going to trial and help them with their storytelling and their, mainly a lot of their visuals. Um, And so like, that's what I did as a, I was a small business owner. Mm -hmm. I went to law school and then instead of practicing law, I helped lawyers that were um, good at the verbal parts of lawyering in the courtroom, but needed help with the visuals and the technology.
0: And how did you get into that? Like as a lawyer, like as, as going to law school and like getting into the visuals,
1: yeah. Um, yeah. It was kind of an accident. I just took a course uh, on litigation technology and mm-hmm. then uh, the adjunct who t- taught that course had a similar business. And so I just ended up working for him. And so, like, uh, and, you know, I thought that maybe I, w- I mean, I originally went to law school thinking I wanted to be a patent attorney
0: okay,
1: and just sit in the corner and uh, write patents all day. Just like talk to the scientist and be like, what does this do now? And then just like, all right, and then me transcribe that into legalese. Um, but then I realized that I like the kind of like the theatrics and the combative nature of a courtroom, Uh, even though it's weird because I'm not that confrontational, but I like structured confrontation, confrontation with rules. I I kind of really like. Okay. And so, um, so like I I really got uh, into trial advocacy or trial skills courses. And so I took all the ones that my law school offered. And then I found one that incorporated visual storytelling with like lawyering skills. And I was like, this is fun. I like this. And so originally I thought I would just work, you know, at that consulting firm for a little while and then just go do it myself. But I found that like some of like my natural kind of like personality tendencies really likes being kind of like the consulting role rather than the starring role. So so I got into that consulting space and I really liked that job.
0: And then when during the pandemic, like were you just like it was nothing was happening. So you kind of shifted your focus. How did that transition and pivot happen?
1: Yeah, so courtrooms shut down, and then, like, the, the, the long-term, like, kind of, like, recovery plan was, like, courtrooms are not going to open. And, like, most lawyers, even trial lawyers who do nothing but trial law, don't spend every day in court, unless, okay. maybe if they're criminal lawyers, but they mostly don't spend their day in court. I did because of all my different clients that we were working with at the same time. So courtrooms being closed, like, in the state of Illinois meant I went from, like, being busy and having a team of, of people to, like, no one can do anything. There's no work, hardly any right. work to do. So we, we kept the business afloat for as long as we could. And then I, I was just like, this is a really big hole.
0: Yeah. It's gonna
1: take years to dig out of. And I'm like, I've been doing this for 10 years already. I don't have the energy to dig back out. So um I'm very lucky that my wife has had a very stable job for her entire career and we have kids. And so it was just like, you know, I never really liked how much time the kids were spent spending like in after school care and like not around us. I mean, their days were longer than ours yeah so like um I didn't really think that was all that great so initially I thought like well I'll just kind of like stop my day job and be a stay-at-home dad and still make videos a little bit but then um you know things kind of took off and escalated uh in ways that I didn't necessarily anticipate so now I really my wife does not let me call myself a stay-at-home dad she's like I do too much around the house for you to call yourself a stay-at-home dad <laughs>
0: That's so funny. That's very cool, though, that you are able to do that. And it's amazing that your wife was so understanding. You know, the pandemic was, as much as it was a challenge, it was an opportunity. I mean, because you got to spend more time with your kids. And also, yeah, I mean,
1: yeah. I think we all got to spend a lot of time with our, with our kids. <laughs> Maybe some we people or do. Or like that. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I mean, we, we, did, we did the best we could have. And we, you know, my wife and I have talked about it, too. It's just like, not to say that it was a good time, but I feel like of the ways to under ex, undergo or experience something like that, I feel like we had a pretty good go of it. You know, yeah. like uh, we had really good support structures in place. Um, and uh, we lived in the, in the city. We're out in the suburbs now, but we lived in the city, but we escaped to her, in, to my in-laws and yeah. lived in rural Iowa for a lot of that time. And so the kids got to spend a lot of time with cousins and grandma and grandpa. Yeah. Uh, and that- also made it for a lot of helping hands around for when my wife was still, you know, she was still working the entire yeah. time. And so like, and I could try to homeschool the kids. I was not very good at that. Yeah. But um,
0: how old you are know, your could, kids?
1: They're uh, six and eleven.
0: Oh, okay. So they need to yeah. be entertained. Like there was yeah. no Yeah. They needed yeah.
1: Yeah. In the beginning, like you know my we my youngest was in preschool at the time. So it's like I'm not gonna sit her and down in front of virtual preschool. Right. All day. It yeah. just doesn't make any sense, and so I'm like, "All right, well, I guess it's daddy daycare for a little while now." And so, you know, it was that also kept me busy in, in good ways, yeah. and then also, you know, good things from in terms of like social media um, came out of it too, because that's when I started doing the live stream, which has become a big part of uh, how I grow community uh, on the channel. Yeah. Uh, so, like, some good, a lot of good things came out of it. Like I said, we we had a good go of it as far as one can uh, yeah. in a situation like that. Um, But, you know, it was an an interesting, it was a strange time.
0: And so did you just, like, have you felt like since we're now no longer in the pandemic, like, do you feel, have you felt like that rush that everyone's talking about? That's like, you know, we were moving in slow motion and now all of a sudden everything is like all at once.
1: Um, I feel it sometimes and sometimes yes and sometimes no. Um, I think that, you know, had I stayed in my previous business Mm -hmm. there would have been a slow ramping up and then i think everything kind of would have all like hit at once and it would have been really way busier than i wanted to be um but from like the social media side i feel it i do and then i don't too because i feel like sometimes like the social like the marketing budgets from a lot of brands that i work with um kind of like are cautiously catching up and then you know everyone's Everyone thinks like another recession is about to come, and so yeah. like budgets are kind of weird. And so like, there has been like a hurry up. There's a lot of hurry up and wait, and then yeah. there's a lot of hurry up and wait, and never mind. Yeah. <laughs> and so that kind of happens too. Um. So it's been it's been a little bit of a roller coaster. But then again, like you know, as far as me doing this full time, I don't. I'm still learning a lot. There's a lot that I don't know, and a lot I'm figuring out. Um. And so and I don't really know that different. So it's like it's kind of hard for me to say.
0: It's interesting, like the whole business of being a content creator and being a social media influencer, because, I mean, you're also like a media person, there's no old school media has like kind of dissolved. And now influencers and content creators are the real media influencers that are, you know, bringing new products and new brands and new concepts and new ideas to people. You know, and and especially like, Kids today, like any teenager, gets all their information from social media, from TikTok, you know, from like beauty products to movies they should watch uh, to r- like running shoes. All of it. It's amazing.
1: Yeah, it's very. It, I mean, the the way we consume information has all shifted very, very quickly. Yeah. In ways that, like, I think legacy media hasn't had a chance to figure out and catch up to yet.
0: Yeah, legacy um, media.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, I love it. You know. Yeah. Well, the you know legacy sure, media always likes word. to give um likes to give a new media pejorative terms, and so yeah. I'm not gonna reciprocate, but I think legacy media, legacy media is that that's not yeah. that's not pejorative I no,
0: not at all yeah, no I like friends. it I think it's good oh, it's I good. don't
1: want to say old media I know.
0: did <laughs> but I've worked in media for a long, long time, yeah. like so I feel like old oh, I called it old school, yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, I think though that like you know, to comment on it, I feel like at the same time, when it wants to, it can pivot quickly, like BuzzFeed, yes. you know, uh, or things like Tasty, like how that took over. And that yes. was not like one person thinking, here's the new format that I'm going to make. That was a very carefully crafted corporate product, right? Yes. In, a, in a legacy media kind of a flavor. But then again, you know, I think, was it BuzzFeed just, was it BuzzFeed that just filed for bankruptcy or something like that? So like, you know, it it's it's still figuring itself out. Um, and also, so is new media figuring itself out. Yeah. Cause like, you know, the longevity of people isn't necessarily decades long because one social media hasn't existed kind of like this for decades yeah. yet. Um, but also like, you know, people get churned get burnt out. People, you know, churn through whatever their useful kind of like fame life is. Yeah. I always joke, that well, I'm at my 14 and a half minutes of 15 minutes, you know, yeah. so like I might be gone pretty soon here too. Um. So it's like, you know, I'm not saying that one's better than the other, but like there's definitely very big differences, but being small or one person team like I am, lets me pivot much faster.
0: You can pivot faster, but it's a lot of work. That's, this is my.
1: It's true. So you it can is. be as
0: creative as you want and it's your channel and it's, you know, your vision, but you know, it's also all you. And even if you had like an assistant or some people helping mm-hmm. you, it's still all you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And That's so a, yeah, that has, that has its own challenges too. Cause then it's just like, there's no one telling you, this is a good idea, but it just didn't hit this time. Keep going. Yeah. Versus like, well, there's, well, there's lots of people telling you that <laughs> uh, in, in the comments. Yes. Um, but there's like, there's no like formalized structure. Like I don't have an editor, like right. an editor in chief if I were like worked at a magazine yeah. to say like, this is really great work. I can tell it's great work. Just, keep going maybe the next story will be the one that really takes off versus like this was a bad idea like the concept was bad and so like that's when things can get really tough especially for I think for new creators too it's like you know I spent a lot of time in that like under 1000 subscriber kind of territory a really long time Mm -hmm. and you're just like should I just stop like is this worth continuing you know it's like I don't know or do I need to completely change what I'm doing you know, like, so th- those are the hard things that you have to figure out yourself. So you not only have to be like the talent, you also have yeah. to be the editor and you also have to be like business the person. creative yeah, and the business person too. Yeah. So there's,
0: yeah. I mean, I feel like it's like any other kind of business, you know, once you start looking at it that way, it gives it a lot more kind of weight and then you have to take it more seriously. But also, you know, one of the things I think is you know, as a creator, as an entrepreneur and all those things, like you have to both be able to look at the numbers, right? Like, and you're, you're saying like, if something hits or doesn't hit, and then everybody always like says, like, why am I doing this? Like, we all have those moments, right? Like some days I'm like, oh, I can't, I just like, I don't have the motivation. Why am I doing this? And, and then you do it and you know, people love it. And then there's some days where you think something's amazing and you do it and it sucks. And it's like, that is like every single entrepreneur founder I've interviewed on this podcast, including myself, all has those things. And so I think like when you're a content creator, like, I don't know that a lot of people know this, but it's like, you're running your own business. And do you have like a board of directors, like friends and family that you kind of like run things by?
1: No, 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 that sounds way, way more structured than I am. <laughs> I've done, I've, I mean, I've done structured before. Yeah. I mean, I had the business for 10 years. So like I've done structured, even then I wasn't that structured, Yeah. but like, uh, for this, I don't really, but what, you know, kind of what I do is I do have like a cohort, you know, yeah. people that are our friends yeah. and they, they end up showing up in a lot of the videos. We're in the same spaces and uh, a lot of times we'll bounce ideas off each other. It's nothing – I mean, it probably should be more structured in terms of, like, we have a regular meeting or something like that where we can talk and, you know, and um, feed off of each other and help Mm. each other grow a little bit more. But for me, like, it seems to work for me right now where it's like, you know, we will encounter each other at a lot of similar events um, and are doing a lot of similar work and also, you know, interfacing with a lot of the same kind of partners so we can be like – you know trading notes a little bit on like hey how did they treat you here's how they treated me that kind of thing Mm -hmm. and so like it's i guess it is like a board of directors but it's It's just
0: yeah i thought about doing something like that i don't know i just called it a board of directors but i just thought about doing something like that at some point like where i have people to because it's hard to work alone and you know where you have people to bounce things off of and like to get like opinions from people like what do they think
1: yeah well i mean i think that like uh if nothing else like having board of directors of a, or i call it a cohort you yeah know? that's good um, or your or your squad or whatever you want to call it is important just because like man our significant others don't always want to talk shop yeah or they don't they they're interested and they probably can pick up stuff you know because yeah. they've heard about so much of it but i'm like when it comes down to it like it, sometimes it's good to like you know I, I i work now with people who are recording things and recording themselves all the time but yeah. sometimes it's really good to like have a cocktail and like turn off all the recording devices and just like vent a little bit, you know? And that's where another thing, like if nothing else for your mental health and just to help get through some of the rougher spots, having a group of people that you can kind of do that with is really important as a, a creative person.
0: Yeah. Actually speaking of mental health, I mean, you are spending a lot of time creating content for social. So You also, in order to grow your audience, need to go on there and comment as well as interact with people. So do you spend a lot of time on social media and how do you kind of like safeguard yourself?
1: Yeah, I spend a lot of time on social media is quote unquote like researching, you Mm -hmm. know? So like I just, I enjoy social media a lot. And so it's not hard for me to spend a lot of time there. Um, And I think that like, You know, I think Instagram and YouTube are kind of like two different kind of like uh, mental health minefields, if you will. Like for me on YouTube, it's like the comments are are the place where I start to feel negative energy a lot. And I joke with my audience, um, like the core audience, like that comes to like the live stream that like I can tell when a video is doing well when I get grumpy comments. Because then like my regular videos that perform regularly well get sent to kind of like the same people. And they know me and I know them and we're commenting and we're having conversations and we know each other. So there's like benefit of the doubt okay. that happens. If I say something a little awkwardly or if a comment reads a certain way, I know not to like get super tense. But like if a video suddenly does well, YouTube's like, oh, people like this video. Let's show everybody. Yeah. And then that everybody may not like what they see or they may not like like the way I'm saying things or yeah. it just might be like, I don't like that dude's face. You know, or like, I don't like that dude's voice. He's putting me to sleep. Completely like things I have no control over, you know, and have nothing to do with the quality of the video. Right. Or even the content, you know, like the, what the message is. And so like, sometimes you just get negative comments like that. And um, you can't and delete so. them. Yeah. Sometimes I, these days, sometimes I do. Yeah. Because I'm like, you know what? People come here for the community part too. Yeah. So I feel like I'm a steward of the space. Mm-hmm. You know, this isn't a town square you know, this is a clubhouse. So like, you know, it's my job to make sure that the vibes are right here. And so like, if I see stuff that's negative, I'll just delete it. I don't care.
0: Yeah. I think I would do that. I delete like spam comments all the time. Oh yeah. But, spam for
1: sure. I'll, I'll yeah. mark spam on other people's comments too. Yeah. Like if it's oh. like make 75 $750 a day, I'm like spam. I don't yeah. care if that's Marnie's yeah. comment section. When I'm here to help out. I'm going to clean up.
0: Yeah. You know? I totally do that. I do that also. <laughs> Cause it's just so obnoxious, but And then, like, you know, like, how do you deal with the algorithms? Because I know that, you know, YouTube and Instagram are constantly, you know, changing their algorithms. So how do you kind of stay up to date and deal with that?
1: Yeah, I try. It's it's weird because, like, I say that I don't care about it too much, but then I'm also completely driven by them at the same time. Mm -hmm. So I feel like I'm not sure exactly how I draw the lines on one way or the other. I feel like there's a benevolent side to it. You know, I feel like a lot of times when people say algorithm, it's funny if you replace the word with like a, the Lord God, our savior, okay. then it sounds like you're talking about uh, social media as like a religion and it like the language and the way people talk about it is very similar. It's strange. Okay. But like, I feel like that our Lord God and savior or the algorithm is very benevolent at times. And so like, it's it's freeing to me because I can make experimental content and the algorithm will, um, if it stinks, Mm -hmm. won't show it. So I can make a mistake in a public space that no one will see. And so there's really mostly only upside to experimenting with content because if it works, the algorithm will spread it to everybody. But if it doesn't, it just gets hidden. It gets pushed down because there's so much other content that exists. So like your mistakes are pretty much invisible. Like think about all the, the creators that you like, you're like, man, this person never misses. Everything they post is a hit. There's a reason why you think that. It's because the algorithms only show you the ones that are good. Um. Or the ones that, at least the algorithm thinks are good. And so I feel like in some ways the algorithms are freeing. And then in other ways I feel like, you know, people chase them a little bit too much in terms of like water trending topics. You know, like, For a while, everything was exploding on YouTube, right? And so, or everything was cut open with a knife on YouTube. And so, like, there are certain things that I just don't chase. You know, I don't care about that. But then there's other things that you really do have to pay attention to the algorithm. Like, it really likes things that are much faster paced. You know, and so like, then you kind of tweak your editing a little bit to kind of like make sure that the algorithm understands what you're doing, Mm -hmm. so that it can understand who to give you too so like you kind of have to like and that's on youtube yeah both on youtube and on and on um instagram as well um you kind of have to like identify yourself to the algorithm so it knows what to do with you oh my god that's that's like i can't even
0: do that with myself
1: (laughs) 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 well i mean you you already are though you know and you're doing it in an intuitive way i guess i'm making it just sound much more complicated than it is
0: no, you're not. Like, I think what you're absolutely right. Like, as somebody who has, like, you know, 20 years experience in brand marketing and, like, brand strategy, I mean, everything you're saying is spot on. It's just really – it's really hard to do. So it's, you know, to, like, think about, like, all those things and then, like, pay attention to, like – it's like a movie. It's like moving parts. Like, you're, you're not in a vortex. You're not operating by yourself, even though it feels like you might be. And if it's your business – Right, Mm -hmm. then you need to be on top of what's happening and what's going on and decide, are you a trend person or not?
1: Yeah. I mean, some people do those trends and it works really well for them. Uh, It just hasn't been my style though. So I'm not saying that trend followers are bad, but I'm just saying like you have to kind of like pick some lanes, at least in the beginning and start getting some traction. Right. And then from there you can, you know, and so that way if you just jump around a lot, then the algorithm doesn't know what you are. Right. And so it it, It doesn't know where to send you. It can't help you. Well,
0: that's what I like about TikTok is that you can use hashtags and get on the for Mm -hmm. you page. And then it kind of like puts you in that like genre of like who you're talking to. But I mean, my like my business has always been, you know, in terms of like the forward facing has always been the um, podcast. And so I never really focused on unique Mm -hmm. content on my Instagram was private until probably the pandemic. I just Mm -hmm. was never using it for that. And I put before the pandemic and I was, you know, I put pictures of my family on and I just wasn't really a public person on Instagram and also, and YouTube, forget it. I told you, (laughs) I was like, I've been posting videos of my podcasts uh, from zoom. So I have no legs to stand on, but I am paying attention and I feel like, rule of thumb, not all platforms are the same and not all content is good for every platform. Like I love YouTube shorts, but I think it's interesting, you know, and I think, you know, after meeting you and, you know, having Tommy on the podcast, Tommy runs and like, you know, just really paying attention to the space and just simply using it as a platform as someone who has a podcast or uh, advising brands on using it as a platform. I think it's really important that you know, you really take it seriously and you need to apply your brand verticals to your channels and all those things.
1: Yeah. Now now I'm kind of glazing over because a lot of those words I don't always understand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Call me after. I'll
1: tell you. Yeah, no, okay. You know, you're going to have to school me that. What
0: are some tools that you really like that you're using that you would be happy to share right now to create your content and videos?
1: Yeah, I I love the GoPro. Um, okay. I think that is uh, that's usually what I recommend for people if they have zero action cameras, is to yeah. start with a GoPro. Okay. Um, for most people that's all they'll ever need. Um, as far as like an action camera. The Insta360, I like as a second camera. That's kind of how I prefer to use it because um, then it gives me kind of like a different kind of angle that I know I don't know if I want every day, mm-hmm. but every once in a while, depending on where I am, um, like the locations uh, might call for using something that's going to be a little bit more kind of like ooh, experimental or can get some different views. Um, so GoPro would be the number one. And then I like to run either with um, like a little alligator clip they sell them so that they go on like your backpack or whatever, but you can kind of like open it up. So you just hold it. So, or just like a really small handheld grip um, is a great way to start. Cause it's not as much stuff and it keeps things really lightweight. So that's how I ran like my first two marathons with like a really small stubby grip for my GoPro. Um, just so that your hand's not holding the camera. Cause yeah. then your fingers. So you don't run candy.
0: like with your phone in the.
1: Yeah, no, That, that I just feel like the phones are great they do really good stuff but like for me and what i want to do like it just it becomes a lot of stuff
0: um what advice would you give to other content creators if they want to shoot video
1: i would say if you want to shoot like action shots from whether you're on the bike or when you're running get a camera doesn't have to be the latest and greatest like if you have zero cameras pretty much anything for the last like two three years is going to be fantastic for you yeah um and practice a lot practice a lot because like you know like I run with a GoPro every day because I'm reviewing shoes. So like yes. all the footage that I have can get put into the review video for later. But like, I feel like a lot of people buy the camera like a month before their marathon, they try it three, or three times and then they're like, I don't know why this video isn't great when yeah. they go to shoot it. Because then number one, you haven't really practiced your angles and what it's like to actually run with it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you also haven't practiced editing a, a lot. And so like, if you want to make the good content, you got to make a lot of content. Right. and So that requires you like bringing the camera with you a lot of the time. And it looks dorky. And you might get a lot of weird looks depending on how busy it is where you're running. Um, but it's like, uh, these days, people kind of know, people have seen it before. Yeah. so it's like, it's not, it's not that weird anymore.
0: So, do you plan out like when you do like your storytelling? Because your videos are really good, and you have a unique sort of angle that you're shooting, and you also have a story that you're telling. Like, do you sort of have a calendar that you're planning this out, and then you sort of go out shoot your B-roll, like you're shooting a movie or a TV show, like B-roll, and then the focus is that.
1: Yeah. So, um, some days, I'm, some some weeks, I'm more structured than others. Uh, like this last month because my running hasn't been very structured the videos haven't been very the, the video planning hasn't been very structured um but like you know as i'm picking like a shoe to wear on a particular day i'll think about like all right well like for example today i ran in a shoe that is under embargo the embargo lifts like end of the month but to have a video that comes out at the end of the month, I need to run in it a couple of times before then and make the video. So I'm like, all right. So like I've marked on the calendar, all right, these days, don't forget to run in this new shoe. Uh, and then, so like, those are the kinds of planning that I have to do. And then I'm like, well, this is a workout shoe. So like, all right, what are the workout days going to be? And so you kind of have to map it out. So it adds like a little, little element of, planning to the running but you know i i like thinking about running and stuff like that so like it's all fun for me to to kind of have that have that structured where it gets a little bit more difficult is when i'm collaborating with other people so if it's like a video that requires multiple people or if i'm like scheduling like interviews and stuff like that 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 takes a little bit more planning because it's another person's calendar that's involved Um, but for the most part i just kind of like map out like all right this is where i want it's kind of like when you're pa- planning out your training plan for a race, here's the race date. Now, how do I work backwards from there? Right. And so, there's a lot, there's a little bit of planning, but.
0: What's your next video that you're making? Is this the embargo video?
1: No. Uh, so, like, I try to make two to three videos a week. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I like to mix it up between, like, new shoe videos and, like, uh, longer-term review videos. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't have any shoes that are going to be. Oh, I do have a longer shoe. T- sure. Video That's coming up. So like right now I've got a couple that are, are lined up like Friday will be a Pegasus 40 video. Okay. Mon- Monday will be a Nimbus 25 after a hundred miles video. So that's a longer term review video. And then I'm, and then I think then the embargo, shoe will be at the end of next or the middle of next week. And then mm-hmm. I'll be going to Atlanta. So then there'll be some travel content that okay. gets made. Cool. And so that'll be the following week will be a travel video going to Atlanta, experiencing run culture out there. I'll be doing a live show down there too. So, like, that'll all kind of get put into it. Um, you get a little bit kind of behind the scenes in that video. Cool. So, there's, it's a different kind of filming Yeah. Um, rather than me, like, filming shoes in a studio and, like, my feet when I'm running. So, it's a little Got bit it. different. Um, and that'll be a kind of, like, a lot of next week's content. So, that's Fun. kind of, like, a video schedule. for That's, like, a, a snippet of what, like, an average two weeks is kind of like for me.
0: And do you have any mentors in the space that you look to or maybe not mentors but – other creators that you are inspired by.
1: Yeah. I mean like a lot of the people are the ones that are like in my cohort. I don't okay. know if they know they're in my cohort, but like I call them my cohort. So like the people that like believe in the run, I'm friends with those guys. I like what they're doing. Um, like Tommy runs, you had him yeah. on the podcast. Like I talk with him a lot about, um, the content that I'm making, uh, and then the content that he's making. So those are two, two people I've talked to a lot. Um, drew Whitcomb, is someone that I've been talking to a lot as well. He works at wear testers. Um, and so, you know, there's just other people in the space that um, I not, I might not necessarily run ideas by them, but like, you know, we'll talk about um, sometimes nitty gritty stuff. Like I was talking to Robbie, I believe the run about like getting merch made, you know? So like, like how, how do you do that? Do you screen print that in house yourself or you farm that out? You know, like that, those kinds of questions. To other things, like, are views down for you guys this last quarter? Or, right. like, has it been weird? Or, like, wasn't, I was not like, was February, March really weird for you guys? I felt like we got a lot more shoes in February, March than we normally do. And they're like, oh, yeah. You know, so, like, we'll kind of, like, talk about stuff like that. So those are the kinds of conversations that I might have with them. And sometimes that becomes a deeper conversation. And other times we'd be like, yep, sure was weird, you know. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And that's
0: cool. It's good to have people like that in your circle to kind of talk to and run things by.
1: Yeah. You know, cause like, so not everyone does that in the space too. Like, so like some people are like, they want to be, you know, lone wolves. I don't, think I, I don't think I could do that. I just feel like it would get real lonely real yeah. fast. Yeah. Um, so like I want to work with other people. I want to have friends that are, you know, quote unquote competitors, but I want those competitors to be on my team <laughs> and like, and we can grow together and we can all win. You know, I just feel like social media is so big that it's like, There's very little like zero sum situations. Yeah. Um, A lot of them are, can be like infinite sum situations where it could be win, 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 win.
0: Yeah.
1: Versus a win, lose or a lose, lose. You know, so like, you know, there's ways to bring a lot of people in and it's gratifying on a professional and on a personal level too. So it's something that I recommend for a lot of people making content. Yeah. There's a lot of places to get negative, but like, you know, you got to find some people that help you stay positive.
0: This is really, that's awesome advice. Thank you so much. Mm
1: -hmm. Thank you.
0: When we were running together, all these people like bombarded you to take your photo.
1: Oh yeah, that that happens sometimes.
0: That's awesome.
1: Yeah, it, it's great. Being at races is awesome because yeah. that's where I'm, like my people are, you know. Yeah. And so like I love I love group runs. I love the sh- I love the giant shakeout. I love small shakeouts too. Yeah. But like you know, it's just I love being able to meet people in person.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I'm a big fan of like using social media relationships to create in-person relationships I'm a big fan of that and so like uh, races is where that gets to happen like right. the people that are DMing me or I'm talking to in comments like I might not recognize their faces right away but if they're like oh I'm manor runs I'm like oh you're manor runs like because like their yeah their icon might be words and not like a, fa- a face yeah but then I'm like oh then, then now I know exactly who that is you That's know and so fun. like you now we're friends and we'll have a hug and you know, and, like, it's like, oh, oh, okay. You know, and you fast forward past all the kind of, like, uh, nice to meet you kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, because you, you feel like you, you know them. them. Yeah. Yeah,
1: exactly. So. That's cool. So I, love, I love in-person.
0: So are you going to come to New York and do the New York City or?
1: Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll be in New York uh, for the marathon. I'm not going to run this year. I think I'm going to chase the pros around the course and make a video that way. Cool. Because um, I ran last year. Okay. So I think um, this year I will uh, focus more on the pros rather than myself. If people see enough of my face. You know, let's let's see some, some more talented runners running. Well, There will be a lot of fun activities to do, um, planning a lot of stuff. So hopefully I'll be able to see some people in person. Uh, hopefully I'll see you as well. Thank you.
0: For those of you listening, Mike's Instagram handle is Kofuzi. And your YouTube channel is Kofuzi also. Thanks again for tuning in to Marnie on the Move. If you like what you hear, leave us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts. Follow us on social at Marnie on the Move for Facebook and Instagram and Marnie Salop on Twitter. Head over to our website, MarnieOnTheMove.com for more info on this episode, links in the show notes, and of course, sign up for our quarterly newsletter, The Download, to get updates, deals,